Hello, Duke fans, and welcome to episode 303. It's a palindrome of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. It is Saturday morning, April 3rd, 2021. The last time we spoke to you, it was Thursday afternoon, like less than 48 hours ago. We were reacting primarily to the news that Roy Williams had announced that he was retiring from UNC. Nate James was imminently going to be announced as the new head coach at Austin P. Since then, lots of roster changes for Duke, and I will get into them in a second. But before I get there, I am your host for this episode, Sam Klein. I'm joined as always by Jason Evans and Donald Wine. Jason, I'll start with you. Good morning. How are you, sir? I'm doing pretty well. I think we should call this the Duke shooting guard report because this episode is going to be all about the Duke wings. <laughs> That's right. All about shooting guards. Donald Wine is also here. Donald, good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Uh, it, we have a lot to talk about when it comes to this because it, for once we get to talk about speculation about next year's roster, and I think that is always uh, exciting to do. Always the fun stuff. The By the way, it's Saturday morning, like I said. The Final Four is tonight. I, I guess we'll talk about that a little bit at the end. Maybe we'll we'll make some picks, although I think we've we've already, we already did that. that. We, we did yeah, that. exactly. So we don't even really have to talk about the final. Four. It was it was like three days ago and like 16 podcasts ago. <laughs> I was yeah, going to say, it feels I, like a month ago that the, I, I can't believe how, you know, uh, look, it sucks. Duke's not playing anymore. We've done more podcasts this week. Than, than like any playing. other week yeah, in the season. No, it's crazy. I, yeah. I told you guys a few days ago that I was feeling sick and I'm like, I'm still sick. And every day of this sickness has been a different episode. Like some days I have, I have bad sneezing. Some days I have bad coughing today. I just have a sore throat and nothing else. So hopefully the next time we podcast, I will be back to normal, but man, it has been, it has been a crazy week. So let me recap how the last basically 40 hours have gone in Duke basketball world. So it was Thursday afternoon when we last recorded. As Donald mentioned in the intro to the last episode, we recorded just before DJ Stewart announced that he was leaving for the NBA draft. So DJ Stewart, he was a freshman this year at Duke, led the ACC in scoring among freshmen, averaged 13 points a game, four rebounds, two and a half assists. He was brilliant for the Blue Devils this season. I think he, he certainly exceeded the expectations that any of us had for him, as we discussed in the stats recap. He's now going to the NBA draft. He's announced not only that he's leaving, but that he's signing with an agent. So there's no opportunity for him to return. He is, he is gone and done committed to his professional career. His prospects at the moment do not look great for him to get drafted. Most of the draft boards that you'll see out there, whatever publication you're reading, whatever experts you're talking to, don't have him in the top 60 of their, of their current prospects. So unlikely that he gets drafted, but we're not ruling out that he's going to end up in a good situation. He could get a two-way contract, could end up with a team that's really committed to developing him. I think we all feel that in the long run, at least, DJ Stewart has certainly has a good chance to be an impact NBA player, and we will talk about that a little bit more. Now, that was Thursday afternoon. Friday afternoon, we had the announcement of Trevor Keels, who is a 6'5", five-star shooting guard. from. He's from the state of Maryland, although he went to high school in Virginia at Paul VI Catholic School, where he was teammates with Jeremy Roach for a few years. He was deciding between Duke, Virginia, and a couple other schools. He announced Friday afternoon that he was coming to Duke. We had projected that this was going to be the case, but he made it official. And so we're going to have to talk about that. We're going to have to talk about the rest of the Duke roster. I'll run it all down when we get back from the break, because I want to first guys talk about DJ Stewart, who I, I said in the beginning, we, we don't think he's going to get drafted, um, but 
let's let's just reminisce a little bit about his season and, and therefore his career at Duke and and all that he accomplished because I think he deserves at least that much before we we say farewell to him in his college career as he heads off to the NBA. So Donald, I'll, I'll give you the floor first. Give me your thoughts on DJ Stewart and what his departure means for the Blue Devils and, and the impact that he had on the program in his short time in Durham. So I'm going to focus on the positive first. I, I really enjoyed his season. I thought he showed a lot of promise. He had some great games for us. He became one of uh, the most dependable scorers we had on the team over the course of the year and led all freshmen in scoring in the ACC, really had a terrific season from that regard. Obviously, there was a lot of things that didn't go right for the Blue Devils, but one thing was for sure that if if Matthew Hurt wasn't scoring, DJ Stewart was, was scoring. Uh, and so I appreciated that and really thank him for his contributions there. I'm surprised that I'm not surprised that he is entering his name into the draft. I am, however, surprised that he is opting to sign with an agent and end his career completely without going through what we call the pre-draft process. I, I think, as you said, Sam, there's a lot of things that can go either way, and maybe he has information that we don't. And that sometimes is the case when it comes to uh, draft speculation. But it seems like he is not projected to be one of the draftees in the 2021 20, NBA draft, or if he is, is going to be a mid to low. I've seen somewhere he's mid to low uh, second round uh, when it comes to where he could fall in the mix. So I think when it comes to DJ Stewart, I would have preferred that he go through the pre-draft process, which for Duke is probably one of the best pre-draft processes you can ever go through because of Coach K and his network and the brotherhood and just the amount of information that he could receive. We've seen that from time to time. And I think that would have helped him. And really, I just, I think we were kind of uh, robbed this in a sense of his potential. And, and Coach K mentioned his potential in his uh, statement. I was hoping to see him go through the pre-draft process and maybe come back next year and really hone in on some of the things that he needs to work on. But he seems like he wants to do that via the pro route. I, I have no, there's no fault in that. And, and I wish him the best when it comes to that. And I hope he does get drafted and into a great situation in the NBA. Jason, what are your thoughts on, on DJ Stewart and, and feel free to linger a little bit more on the impact that he had this season. Maybe some of your favorite moments from his, his time at Duke. Well, let me start with some statistics on him because uh, they, they tell an interesting story. 13 points per game. Um, he was he, he shot 81% in his free throws, probably the most reliable free throw shooter on the team. Uh, 34% from three. Not not a huge number, but, but a good number. Above average, the national average on three-point shots is 33.8%, and he was 34.1, so a little bit above the national average. He was second on the team in minutes played. I think that may be his most significant statistic. He was, considering he was a freshman, um, this was a guy that Coach K trusted and relied upon, and he was in games, you know, the, uh, any any important moment, he was probably in the game. Um, really interesting. For, for a dude who was 6'2", 160, 165 pounds, not a big guy, fourth on the team in rebounds, fourth on the team in block shots, you know, really did a great job. I, I talked about it several times during the season. He just did a, he had a great nose for the ball. Um, he was aggressive all the time. Uh, he was third on the team in steals. To me, the most significant thing I'll remember about DJ Stewart, he absolutely led the team. I think there's no question about this. He was number one on the team in smiles and enthusiasm. 
And that Absolutely. sounds that sounds sort of like hokey and such, but it's it's true. And 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 I really got to see it because I was part of so many of the press conferences, both preseason and and post game press conference this year. And DJ Stewart was a frequent guy on those press conferences. I talked about this on on the podcast in the past. Dude was always smiling, always happy, always seemed excited about Duke, about uh, you know how the team was doing and and about how he was doing and the such there, there was an infectious energy to DJ Stewart. And you would see it in, you know, some of the behind the scenes videos that Duke blue planet would put out uh, just, you know, the kind of guy that I'm sure everyone loved having him as a teammate. And, and, and that to me is what I'm going to miss the most because God, it, it, I, I, he was a kid that I enjoyed watching play. And, and, and frankly, as much as I love watching Duke, that's not necessarily the case of everybody on the roster, but I enjoyed watching DJ Stewart play. Jason, that's a great point. I, I, I absolutely agree with you in that last part. And it leads me to a point that a lot of people have been talking about anytime someone who comes in as a freshman decides to leave for the NBA. And that is the unpack their bags kind of mentality. He is a guy who clearly unpacked his bags. He enjoyed college. He enjoyed his teammates. He enjoyed his time at Duke. And he bought full into the program. And I think that is where uh, we always will appreciate him because not everyone does that. Not everyone unpacks their bags or enjoys the process of being a college student. He clearly did. And for three of us that clearly just love our time so much at Duke and love our team so much that we talk about it 15 times a week, we want our guys to have that same mentality. And he clearly did. So I really appreciate DJ Stewart. And he's always going to be one of the most popular guys from this year's team because of that smile, because of that infectious personality and because of the high energy that they always brought in the game. There's a variability, I would say, to how involved with the program certain guys are, especially the one and done type players when they leave because they just aren't on campus that much. And I think you've seen in recent years, there are fewer of those guys that, that come back frequently the way that players who stay for three or four years do. I expect that DJ Stewart is one of those guys that's going to stay engaged with the program because he, he seems like he's all in and, the, and the, the coaching staff is all in on him. Like I said in the top, he exceeded all of our expectations for him this past year. He was the 26th ranked recruit in the country and of the class of 2020. And Normally, guys who are ranked in the 20s when they come to Duke, if they are playing their freshman season, are typically coming off the bench. Or if they're if they're starting, they're not getting that many minutes. And DJ Stewart, as Jason said, far exceeded that. He was second on the team in minutes played. He was he was definitely one of the five best players on the team. You know, no matter the day, right? It, it was Matthew Hurt was the best player on this team, and I'd say there was jockeying for second place that that DJ Stewart was regularly in. So uh, hats off to him and. And oh, well, way, wait, hey, Sam, over the course of the season, over the course of the entire season, I think there's a little question. DJ Stewart was the second best player on this team. <clears throat> You're right. At given moments. I mean, look, by the end of the season, Mark Williams, Mark Williams may have been the best player on the team by the very end of the season. Uh, and there were moments that, that Jalen Johnson, you know, and the such. But over the entirety of the season, I think DJ Stewart was our second best player. And Jason, let's look ahead at the draft a little bit. I know that we kind of speculated a little bit that that he's unlikely to get drafted but what do you think about dj stewart's pro prospects either for this coming season which will probably still be under somewhat strange circumstances due to the pandemic but hopefully returning to normal by his his sophomore nba campaign what are you what are you looking forward to for dj stewart so there's been a lot and i mean a lot of criticism among duke fans especially 
uh, of DJ Stewart's decision to turn pro because it is really hard to see what DJ Stewart is going to do in the NBA at this point. Um, that's kind of the nicest way I can say it. His his size, he's you know six two, maybe six three. Like I said, one hundred and sixty five pounds, dripping wet. Uh, NBA shooting guards are bigger than that. NBA shooting guards are a lot bigger than that. Most NBA shooting guards are in the six five, six six, maybe even six seven kind of range. They are clearly more than two hundred pounds, um, and uh, you know they they just aren't as slight as DJ Stewart is. Uh, and, and he has not displayed the kind of skills that would indicate that he can play point guard in the NBA. So he's really undersized for the position. Uh, he's not someone who has sort of freakishly long arms to, to make up for that, you know, fact that he's undersized. Uh, he, you know, like I said, he shot 34% from three. Um, the NBA, NBA shooting guards, NBA two guards, guys who are getting time playing shooting guard in the NBA, that they're, they're a college three, they're hitting way more than 34% of their college threes. So I don't know that he's going to go undrafted. I think it's possible a team will take a second round flyer on him. He's right in there. But, I, you know, it's certainly not a sure thing that he's going to be drafted. And and we've seen, look, we saw Trevon Duval. We, we've seen the path that the undrafted free agent tries to go through. It It's not an easy one. I think he probably... I, 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 I would be very surprised. I wouldn't expect that he, that he will get a full NBA contract. I think he probably, someone will take a flyer on him with a two-way contract for, for at least a year. Now, two-way contract money, let's be clear, not bad money. Two-way, two-way guys make close to half a mil. Um, the NBA changes those contracts every year. Like a couple of years ago, they were making 200,000. And then this year they're making close to half a million. I mean, so you can do really, really well on a two-way contract, but that's not a way to long-term build your future, to ensure your financial future. And DJ Stewart is walking away from his education. So his financial future has to be built on basketball. Now, I think it's entirely possible that DJ Stewart's financial future is not in the NBA, but it's in an overseas league. And, and that's fine, but it's not what we usually expect from a Duke player. Really, really quick, um, shooting guard is the Duke pro position lately. If you think about it, DJ's going pro. Last year, Cassius Stanley was our shooting guard. He went pro. The year before that, Cam Reddish was our shooting guard. He went pro. The year before that, it was Gary Trent Jr. He went pro. The year before that, it was Luke Kennard. He went pro. So shooting guard, <laughs> that's the position from Duke where everybody just assumes time to go to the NBA. So I'm not as bearish on his draft stock as you may be, Jason. And here's why. I think we just don't know yet. Just like I said, we don't have a lot of the information from this pre-draft process. I think one thing to consider is that there's still a lot of guys out there that we expect to go pro that haven't yet made a decision. And, or guys who are maybe thinking about it because of the extra year of eligibility that the NCAA has granted all athletes. So it may be where some guys are taking their time and making that decision. And, you know, some may opt to come back for another year since they have that option. Some may try to see who is going into the draft. A lot of guys, a lot of times guys like to see that they enter their name into the stock. They see who's trying to be in the waters and then they jump back out. So we'll see that happen. And the other thing, and I think, Jason, you talked about this a couple of shows ago, is we have no idea when the M NBA draft is going to be. You know, the, the season is running late already. 
the playoffs are going to be running late and it's basically running up so that these guys can go to the Olympics. So we may have it where just like this year, the NBA draft is later on in the summer or early in the fall. And we don't know that yet. So I, I think there's still opportunity for DJ Stewart to show his skills or even improve his skills to say, Hey, I can be coached. I can be, I can improve. I have a lot of potential. Uh, so I think there may be a team that takes a flyer on him. I just don't know where, until we know where the draft stock is or where the list is. And that won't be until much later in the, in, in the summer. I, we won't know where he, a good situation will be for him and if it would be available for him to be taken at that spot. And speaking of shooting guards and guys who are bigger and maybe more size for the position, we need to get into the commitment of Trevor Keels, who's a 6'5 shooting guard. He's more or less going to replace DJ Stewart on the roster, and he he is reported to weigh like 200 or 210 pounds. We will get to him and the rest of the roster right after this quick break. Welcome back. As we said, DJ Stewart is departing, but Trevor Keels is incoming for Duke. As I said at the top, 6'5 shooting guard, hails from Maryland, although he went to high school in Virginia with Jeremy Roach. They were teammates for a number of years in high school at, at Paul VI, where they formed a, a very impressive backcourt and one that is now going to be reunited in Durham. So I think Duke fans are, are excited today about the commitment of Trevor Keels. Keels is the number 20 recruit in the country, according to the 247 composite. And he joins Paulo Bancaro, who we're going to hear from this week on the DBR podcast. You guys got a teaser of that the other day. And AJ Griffin is also incoming for Duke. Duke still has an offer out to Patrick Baldwin. We're not sure exactly when he's going to commit or if he's going to commit to Duke, but we're keeping an eye on that. Before we get into Keels, I wanted to quickly run through the roster as it stands right now, because this week, one of the reasons that we've had to talk to you so much is that there's been a lot of turnover on the Duke roster and a lot of changes, some of which we expected and some of which we did not. So this is what we think we know about the roster going into next season as of now. Senior Joey Baker and junior Wendell Moore are both expected to return, and I'm, and I'm stating their years for the incoming season. So those guys are going to be senior and junior, respectively. Obviously, with the extra year of eligibility, both could choose to add an additional year onto that, um, given the, the situation with the pandemic this year. So Joey Baker and Wendell Moore, both expected to return. Mark Williams, Jeremy Roach, and Henry Coleman were all freshmen this year. They're going to be sophomores next year, and all of them are also expected to return. We haven't heard any... NBA draft or, or transfer rumors about any of those guys. Uh, Walk-ons Keenan Worthington and Michael Severino are also still around. I don't know how much they factor into the into the minutes discussion that we're probably going to have now and 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 for many episodes over the summer. But but they're on the bench as well. And then as I said, three incoming freshmen as of now. That's Keels, Bancaro, and and AJ Griffin. And we know that Patrick Tapay, Jordan Goldwire, and Jamin Brakefield have all announced that they're in the transfer portal. It seems like Duke has bid them farewell and, and that it's unlikely that they are going to change their minds about, about being in the transfer portal and come back to Duke. Matthew Hurt is the one guy I think we would say, and, and you guys can disagree with me, we would say that Matthew Hurt is, is probably still likely to declare for the draft, although he hasn't announced that yet. And and that decision, I'm sure, is is forthcoming. So let's assume for the moment that Matthew Hurt is not coming back. That leaves us with eight scholarship players, the five returning guys and the the three five star freshmen who are coming in. When we talk about Duke rosters and and, and the Duke bench, 
eight is pretty much the max of scholarship players that, that tend to get big minutes for Coach K. So I want to have a little bit of a roster discussion, but before we do, let's key in on Trevor Keels. Donald, I'll come to you first. Tell me your impressions about Trevor Keels. He looks like a big guy, and and his his highlight reel tells me that there's a lot of three-point shooting and a lot of dunking in his future in Durham. So what, what are your impressions of Trevor Keels and his announcement and, and his game as it translates to the college level? Well, first off, there's something to be said about momentum, uh, because if you think about it, Jalen Johnson left the program during the season. And then since the season has ended, Jamin Brakefield has left, Jordan Goldwire has left, Patrick Tepay, DJ Stewart, Nate James have all left the program. So it's finally, it's good to be able to finally celebrate someone coming in and see that momentum shift. So that was exciting. Also, I don't know if you guys out there saw the commitment video that was released for Trevor Keels, but you know how good you got to be to have Morgan Freeman in your commitment video. Like that is Morgan Freeman's voice makes everything better. So obviously that makes me hype. That makes everyone out there hype. If you haven't, it's on YouTube. Go listen to it or go watch it. Uh, it's, the video is very short. It's about a minute and a half, but it has a lot of Morgan Freeman voice in it. So getting to Trevor Keels, his shot is cocoa butter smooth, just silky smooth. He is so fluid. And I know Coach K and the staff are probably just like, salivating at the fact that they get to hone his hone his workouts and get him in workouts and really get him to be that shooter that we have been looking for a consistent shooter that we're looking for he's also very built as you mentioned sam you know he's he's six five he's about 210 he's very stocky and watching him he has enough handle to penetrate he does that quite a bit but he has the strength to play through contact and score he also plays the passing lanes and defense very well and because of his strength Sometimes he just outmuscles guys to the ball. He's not going to be a guy that's going to be super quick in getting the ball and stealing it and going out, but he can just beat a guy to the ball and using his strength, get the ball from you and go the other way. So I go back to this though. His silky smooth sh shooting stroke that he has is something we desperately need. We didn't have consistent outside shooting this year, and Keels will definitely bring that. And I know that is what, you know, when we talk about the roster, that's kind of where he fills in. But the X factor is that he can score in traffic. That's one thing that we did not do well. Our guards did not do well at all is score with contact in the paint consistently. And if you remember, just having guards drive at will on us into the paint, that is something that hopefully he will be able to stop given his size. Jason, I think one of the most interesting factors in Keels' decision is that he and Jeremy Roach have played together for a number of years and they're going to be reunited in the, in the backcourt for Duke this year. I'd say that, you know, we don't know for sure that they're both going to be starting, but they're certainly going to be both going to be playing a lot of minutes. So how do you feel about Trevor Keels' fit on the roster for Duke? And, and Donald, I think highlighted a few of the kind of skills that he's going to bring between the three-point shooting, the driving, possibly some, some elite defense. But what are you most excited about in, in seeing in Trevor Keels this coming season and how he fits in with the rest of the team? Well, I think you're right. The, the fact that he has that chemistry with Jeremy Roach, and he, he spoke about Trevor Keels when he committed. Um, he mentioned that he had been in constant contact with Jeremy Roach you know, over the past several months, uh, six-plus months. Um, they are good friends. These are these are two guys who played together every year in high school. Um, so this isn't like, you know, oh, this is a guy, an AAU teammate. This was a high school teammate that you can make an argument that that Jeremy Roach and Trevor Keels have spent more time together on the court than any pair of Duke teammates we've had. 
I don't know, since like Emil Jefferson and Quinn Cook graduated. <laughs> um, I mean, it's 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 a big deal for two guards to have this kind of chemistry, um, to know each other this well. I, I should point out, by the way, Paul VI, the school they they went to, is in the you know sort of elite DC Catholic Athletic Conference. Um, that conference includes Damatha. It includes Gonzaga, which is where Hunter Dickinson, um, a, a guy that Duke recruited, who who's a great player from Michigan right now. It's where Hunter Dickinson went. There are several other elite basketball schools playing in the St. John's. Yeah, look out for St. John's because that. I mean, I I actually know someone who plays for St. John's, and they are ballers. Yeah, I, I mean, playing in that conference means you are playing against D one talent at the high school level every single game. And, and it is a big deal that Trevor Keels was as good as he was. I believe I'm, I, I don't have it in front of me, but I believe I read he was all conference as a freshman, which is, uh, you know, that's unreal to think about. Uh, I, I love that you guys have both talked about his frame and his size, because to me, that is a really, really important thing about this guy. You know, Sam, I know you've been saying 200, 210. I, I've heard it's more like 215. Um, and that he is, you know, rock solid. Uh, by the way, Trevor Keel says that Coach K um, has been talking to him about his body and his frame and, and, and about the amount that he works out. And Coach K wants him to get more explosive. Um, I heard a really interesting comparison. Uh, and I, you know, I'm not saying that Trevor Keels is as good as this guy I'm going to mention to you, but, but I think this is a really interesting comparison. They said Trevor Keels reminds them of Paul Pierce. And the reason is because. Paul Pierce was a guy who was not a super explosive leaper. When you think of Paul Pierce, you don't think of a guy who's getting slam dunks all the time and stuff like that. He was not a guy who was unbelievably quick. Paul Pierce was a guy who used his strength, used his skill to get where he wanted on the floor and get the shot he wanted. He was a shot maker and he was a scorer. He was a great shooter as well. And a lot of people say they see that kind of aspect of Trevor Keels' game. In many ways, it's very different from DJ Stewart's game. DJ Stewart was fast. He was, he was small and, and, you know, he, he would slither around, so to speak. You ain't going to see that from Trevor Keels. Um, and, and, and I'm very excited for something different from a Duke freshman, because I think Trevor Keels will be someone you can't push around on the floor the way you could some previous Duke freshman on the wing. So the other thing, and Jason, I'm glad you brought up the, the league that they play in here in DC. I've gotten to see some of their games on television, uh, at least on local access. And like I said, I, I know someone personally who plays for St. John's. So I've seen some of these games. These games, when I tell you that this conference, the Washington Catholic League, is probably one of the best high school basketball conferences in the country. It's oh, not incredible. probably. Let, don't, don't put that qualifier. There's no question. In fact, most people th say it is the best. Yeah, it's it's incredible. And it, like you said, every game is is just absolutely incredible to watch. It's their college atmospheres, their NBA finals, final four type atmospheres. But the one thing that Trevor Keels has stood out over the thing, you mentioned that he was all conference as a freshman. He is one of the few freshmen to ever start at PVI in their history. And they've had a lot of guys come through there. Now, even Jeremy Roach was really starting consistently as a freshman. The other thing about Trevor Keels, when the, when it was clutch time, when it was Dame time, as we would say in the NBA, it was Keels time. Keels had the ball, and Keels was yes, making a lot of those is, jumpers. He is known for his late game heroics at Paul the Six. You are absolutely right about yeah. that. It's it's amazing. And he is in, and that sort of and the thing about that is the pressure. He understands the pressure. He understands what he is going to expect 
putting on that Duke uniform and being able to, the, the chemistry between him and Jeremy Roach was simply remarkable. And I think that is going to be something that cannot be understated because that type of chemistry between your two guards is the most important chemistry I think is on the basketball court. Having been a point guard that was undersized, it is great to have someone next to you to have that 6'5 and that can commandeer a lot of the attention. And when he has the ball, it'll be someone who can spread the floor out because everyone has to key in on him. That is a very big deal. And I think that is why getting Trevor Keels is going to be very, very good for us next year. So given the timing of DJ Stewart's announcement and Trevor Keels' announcement, I think it's natural for Duke fans to look at these two moves kind of as, as, a, as a trade for, for Duke fans. They're basically trading sophomore DJ Stewart for freshman Trevor Keels. And, and one of the things that is interesting to me is to think about how, you know, what's sort of the, the preferable uh, situation here. DJ Stewart had a very successful season, a great freshman season as, you know, this past year as a Blue Devil, um, exceeded expectations, as we said. Trevor Keels comes in pr- a pretty similarly rated to DJ Stewart. Like he's in the 20s of, of 247. He's a, he's a five-star recruit, but is not a not a Cam Reddish, not a RJ Barrett. He's, he's not one of these top five type of guys. And, you know, he, he's probably a starter on almost every division one team that he plays at, but at Duke, like I said, if you're, if you're coming in in the twenties, it's not guaranteed that you're going to start. Well, Hey, so, hey Sam, we should, we should be really clear. Most, most folks have Trevor Keels in the teens. Um, two, four, seven has, ha, you know, their individual ranking has him at 16. I haven't seen many folks that have him in the 20. He's a little, higher regarded than DJ Stewart. Not a lot, but a little bit. But again, that's as a that's as a high schooler coming into college with some uncertainty. DJ Stewart, obviously, we'd already seen him perform. So no uncertainty there. So so then I'll I'll pose the question to you, Jason, since you teed it up that way. Would you rather have Trevor Keels or DJ Stewart on next year's roster? It's a really tough question. And and, and it's really tough because of what I just said, because that transition from high school to college is sometimes really difficult for guys. And, and, and yet we already know what DJ Stewart was going to bring to the table. That's why I, I say I would have preferred to keep DJ Stewart because I know what I'm getting with DJ Stewart. That said, if you sort of alter the question a little tiny bit and tell me, you know, sort of, Who's a better fit for the Duke roster? Who do I think may be a better player? I actually think it's Trevor Keels because of his strength, because he can't be pushed around in quite the same way. And, and I'll also say, look, I, I love DJ Stewart. I think we made that clear earlier on the podcast. DJ Stewart got lost on defense a lot and got overpowered on defense a lot. And as much as I, as much as he was a very consistent, solid performer, we, we can't ignore the fact that in arguably two, Duke's two biggest games of the year, the, the loss to Louisville and the loss to Georgia Tech, DJ Stewart was awful. I mean, terrible. Probably his two worst games of the year were in those two games. And if Duke wins either one of those games, it's entirely possible that Duke, almost probable maybe that Duke makes the NCAA tournament given you know what they did in the ACC tournament. So on the biggest stage of the biggest moment, when Duke needed him the most, DJ Stewart didn't come up and Trevor Keels as a representative, as a reputation, as a guy who does. So I, I think I've said both sides of the argument. If you're going to knock me, if you're going to hold me down, I'm going to say Trevor Keels. I would say freshman Trevor Keels, uh, you know, if, if he is what we expect him to be, is going to be more valuable than sophomore DJ Stewart. 
and Donald, I'll, I'll frame the same question to you, but, but I want to put it another way, which is basically the, the expectation right now for the one and two spots in the lineup for Duke, the point guard and shooting guard is some combo. Uh, and this is why I'm saying that I'm not positive on, on who's going to start here, but it's some combo of Roach Keels and Wendell Moore, who's expected to return. Those are the only guys that, that really are going to handle the ball a lot. I know here's another teaser for our interview with Paulo Bancaro. He's talking about how he's practicing, bringing the ball up, but Paulo Bancaro is a, a six, nine guy. Maybe he will do that the way that Jalen Johnson and some other Duke, bigger Duke guys have done in the past, but I expect it to be some combination of Roach Keels and, and more who are going to be in the backcourt for Duke. So which backcourt would you rather have Roach Keels and more or Stewart uh, or <laughs> rather uh, Roach Stewart and more Donald. So this is an intriguing question because Jason, like you said, you know, for me, normally you'd go for the sophomore who has more experience, has a year of college experience, all things being equal. But the fact that Trevor Keels and Jeremy Roach have that chemistry from high school that's what makes this an interesting question. So if you're going to nail me to the mat, I'm, I'm also going to go with Stewart under the pretense that Stewart clearly knows how to score. He led all ACC freshmen in scoring. So I want that experience, but I also, he also has that chemistry. And really when we look at the best teams in college basketball this year, the past couple of years, it has been the experience that have carried them throughout the postseason, namely the conference tournaments and the NCAA tournament we obviously didn't have a lot of experience this year. And we talked about how we didn't have a lot of experience. Of course, next year's team will be more experienced because all those guys that were inexperienced have that year of college experience now, but I want to see a, an experienced college team. So I would go with Stewart for that reason, only not dismissing what Jason just said about Keels in the way that his frame would probably fit better into a lineup because of his size and giving us that, that bigger option on the guards. So I, I think when it comes to Stewart, he can obviously, you know, stand to improve a lot of things, namely his shooting would have been great if it was consistent throughout the year, but I think his experience, and I think for us having that experience, we've seen how vital that is in a championship team. Jason, you've talked, you talked about it at return of glory, the fact that they had leadership and they had guys who could, who led by example, they had guys who led by yelling or, or, or getting in people's faces. They had guys who, were able to do the things on the court that was necessary. And everyone on the court was an extension of the coaching staff and coach K. That's what I think Stewart would have been as a sophomore here at Duke. Keels can also be that, but in the, we know that Stewart was on that path to becoming a, a coach's guy where we could, he could be that extension on the court. That is what I'm looking for the experience. And that's why I think just for purposes of that, I would go with Stewart. I think I would take Keels because the obviously you know, I, I also value the experience. And I think that you're, you're not getting the same thing from a freshman that you do from a sophomore in a number of ways. That being said, the, the big deficiency on the team this year was shooting and, and DJ Stewart, while was basically an average three point shooter for a, for a division one player, as, as Jason was mentioning, if Keels is, is an above average shooter and, and is a reliable three point shooter, like in the high 30%, then that just adds a, a whole other element to Duke that wasn't there, at least from the backcourt this year. Duke is, again, probably going to lose Matthew Hurt, who was the most effective shooter on the team, and, and he was a big guy that could shoot. It, it's totally different when you have a guard who can shoot, and also one like Keels, who is comfortable handling the ball a little bit. He's not a point guard. He's definitely a shooting guard. But I think his skill set rounds out the 
um, the, the, the tools that Wendell Moore and Jeremy Roach bring to this backcourt more. And so I'm more excited, I think, for that sort of rotation of guys than I might be for DJ Stewart. But I mean, I would be happy with either of them. I think they're both excellent players and, and guys who seem like they're, they're really into being Duke players. So it, it's ultimately a toss up for me. Uh, you know, one thing I just want to add on to what you were just saying about Trevor Keels. Again, you're right. He's not a point guard. He is a guy who is known to have really good basketball IQ and is a very willing and able passer. So uh, he's he's the kind of player who quite often uh, Paul the Six and he was on Team Takeover, which is a elite AAU team on both of those teams. They would quite often put the ball in his hands and expect him to create for other players. So not a point guard but someone who will create opportunities for his teammates um, in, a, in a, you know, if you, if you focus too much on cutting him off, which teams have to, because he's such a good shot maker and, and gets to his spot on the floor to make his shot so effectively because of his size and strength. So we'll say congratulations to Trevor Keels on making a great decision for himself because he's decided to become a blue devil. Very excited to see him in, in a Duke uniform come the fall and we'll leave it there for now for, for Trevor Keels and for the Duke roster. Obviously, there, there will be more announcements. I don't, we don't know what they will be yet. But like I said at the top, only eight scholarship players, nine if, if Matthew Hurt stays for Duke. The limit, of course, is 13. So there is lots of room right now for Duke to add freshmen, to add transfers, to, to fill out the rest of that, that roster. And, and you know that there are Division I players out there who would love to put on a Duke uniform. So I think there's, there's a lot of speculation and rumors out there. We could spend hours, I think, going through the, the transfer portal and picking out guys that we think would be interesting, but we, we, won't, we won't go to so much effort. Like I said, the, the final four is tonight. Um, Paulo Bancaro interviews come in this week. We, we have that teed up for you. We just needed to give it its own space because it's been a busy week for the DBR podcast. The last bit of news that I wanted to make sure we highlighted, because we mentioned this on Thursday and we, we actually talked about it at length, although it hadn't become official yet, is Nate James officially taking the Austin P job and getting announced as the Austin P head coach. That that all came out Friday morning after we had recorded, although the, the, the kind of news pipeline had, had sort of indicated that that news was coming um, imminently. So Jason, give me your thoughts on, on the official announcement from Nate James that he's taking the Austin P job and kind of the reaction around the Duke world about it. I, I, everyone is thrilled. Uh, we've talked about this already, you know, essentially almost on two podcasts. We've, we've discussed the fact that Nate was likely going to get this Austin P job. I think he's going to do an absolutely great job there. Duke's going to miss him, but the reason I wanted to talk about him. All right, guys, you need to both turn on your mics because I want to play a game with you. There are 11, count them, 11 former players and staff members of Coach K who are currently head coaches at the Division I level. I'm going to let you guys go back and forth. Here's a trivia game. We're going to play the game. 11 former Duke players or staff members. No typing on your keyboard. No trying to do any searching right now. My hands are up. You can see my hands yes. are up. Donald, put your hands up. Donald's hands are I've up I've watched well. Chop before. I know. I know. Time's <laughs> up. Hands up. <laughs> Uh, I, I will I will start with Donald. Okay, name a Duke former Duke player or member of Coach K's staff who is currently a head coach. Go first. Chris Collins. Where is he a coach? Northwestern. Very good. Yes, yes, you have to do both. Donald. Oh, you have to do both. Okay, sorry, yeah. sorry. Yeah, yeah, no problem. No, no, we didn't we didn't spell that out, but I I like that. Chris Collins, Northwestern. That's that's one. Sam. Nate James. Nate James, Austin P. Yes, Sam took the easy one. Donald, I was trying to let you off with the easy one. <laughs> they're all I mean, easy. Yeah, they're all easy. I mean, not all, but most of them. Uh, you said staff and 
former players, correct? I did. I did. Gavin players. It, yes. If you got a clever one, maybe save it. You may want to save it. I mean, it's not really clever. It's Mike Bray, Notre Dame. There you go. Okay. That's a good one. Uh, I'm going to go with Johnny Dawkins, UCF. Very nicely done. We're up to four. Bobby Hurley, Arizona State. Yep. Uh, I will take Greg Paulus, Niagara. See, Sam, I love that you took that one. I think that's a less obvious one. I would have saved it, but okay. All right. I, I was saving that one. So <laughs> uh, I was actually going to deploy that right now. So give me a second as I think. Um, oh, uh, Tommy Amaker, Harvard. Yep. I'm going to go with Kenny Blakeney, Howard. Yes. Um, ooh, I'm missing one. This is also a good, it's a good mental check for guys who we have or have not had on the podcast yet. So we make sure we get. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We've gone through the, we've gone through the friends of the pod. So there are three Um, left. There are only three left. Three left. Mm, Hang on. And and wait, I feel awful. I'm about to give it to Donald. I think I said college coach. I I did say college coach. I meant if it's 11, then it's college or NBA. No, 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 no. Do college only. Do college. And, it's and 10. So we did all the college. So yeah, we'll remove yeah. Quinn. <laughs> we'll remove Quinn. Yeah. yeah no, it's Quinn. 11 it's if you count Quinn. I apologize. Cause, yeah. yeah. Cause I was, I mean, when you said that, yeah. Quinn was one of the first ones that came to mind. Um, man. And there's, it's, it's probably someone that I'm like, oh, you're going to kill yourself. There's a really obvious one and, and one that you will, uh, that I would not have gotten. Let's just put it this way. Oh, I, oh Jeff Capel, Pitt. Yes, yes. Yeah, Jeff Capel's the obvious one. All right, Sam, you have the almost impossible task. There's one more. All right. Uh, I think I'm getting his name right. Is it Mike Schrage? Oh, is, Sam, I'm so impressed. Is he, yes. He's the head coach. He's the head coach at Elon, and he was on Coach K's staff once upon a time. Yes, excellent. Sam, I'm so impressed. He Thank was you. never an assistant coach. He was like director of basketball he was, operations. He was, he was director of basketball right? ops for like 15 yeah. years. Yeah. 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 So is that it? Did we get it? them all? You got them all. I'm good. I'm, I can put my hands down. Guys, right. that was really <laughs> next, well done. Really next well challenge. done. Oh, and Quinn Snyder, Utah Jazz. <laughs> and uh, and Shane Battier works for the Heat in some, oh, in wait, some capacity. If, if we're getting into NBA front office jobs, we're going to be here for another 15 minutes. Hey, speaking of. Yeah. Uh, Mike Dunleavy, Dante Jones. Side- Side, uh, Trajan side Langdon. Comment. Yeah, I was I gonna say going. it's side commentary on, on Duke guys and in, in the NBA. Uh, did either of you guys listen to JJ Reddick's podcast this week? Uh, JJ Reddick was yet. recently JJ Reddick was recently traded from the Pelicans to the Mavs, and he was pretty upset about it. Yeah. Uh, I, and I think we could I think you could argue one way or another whether or not he had a right to be upset. I mean, he he sort of admitted on his podcast that that he was like, on the one hand. I asked to be traded. If I was going to be traded, I asked to be traded to a certain subset of teams. On the other hand, I understand it's a business, but he was, I think he was pretty upset at the Pelicans front office and called out Trajan Langdon among the guys in the Pelicans front office that had told him what, uh, what he could expect and, and was let down by it. So a bit of interesting, uh, bit of interesting drama here at the NBA trade yeah, and, deadline for former Duke guys. And, and JJ, they're, they're, they're a pretty fair number of people, including some NBA players, uh, or, or, you know, NBA journalists, I guess you'd more say it, who are, who are sort of saying, you know, dude, you, you got a contract and, and this is the way it works. Uh, ju- just, just so we're clear, so folks understand what JJ said was uh, when the Pelicans first said to him, hey, we're starting the season back up. He was like, look, my family's in New Jersey. I want to be around my family. Th- these are dangerous times. This is at the height of the coronavirus pandemic. And he said, I'm, I'm not sure I really want to play. And, and what the Pelicans said to him was, Hey, come on down for a month or so. See how you feel about it. 
and and if things don't work out, we'll we'll understand and we'll work out a trade for you, and um and, and we'll get you closer to home. And and they never did that, uh, and so that's why JJ sort of says, you know, he's not complaining just in general. He's complaining because of coronavirus and because he was very worried about it. So anyway, it's a it's a side note. I'm sure it'll be water under the bridge eventually. And JJ Reddick has talked. Uh, before about how much he admires Trajan Langdon. Trajan Langdon, I think, is one of the reasons that JJ chose to come to Duke because they are, of course, very similar uh, types of players, both being kind of shoot first shooting guards and uh, and and both Duke legends in their own right. So I think that's it for uh, Duke player news. I'm glad that we got to play a trivia game with with Jason Evans. That was uh, that was a fun one, and and I'm glad that I that I was able to nail all the picks there. So. Very well Credit done. I, I'm, in, I'm impressed. Yes. And, nice and job, that's Sam. all because, and look, we might have to play again sometime because Steve Wojciechowski might be getting another head coaching job. We haven't heard, I don't think we've heard any specific rumors about, about him, but he's certainly out there. John Shire is still on the Duke bench and somebody that has been rumored for head coaching jobs in the last couple off seasons. So would not be surprised to hear his name perk up. And, and there's, there's lots of movement in the sport between coaches and players. So there'll be a ton, I'm sure for us to talk about in the coming weeks and months. But we will leave it there for now. Uh, as usual, if you want to get in touch with us, dbrpodcast at gmail.com. You can always email us. We've gotten a lot of great emails this week, especially we started to have emails coming in for the first episode of Return to Glory, which dropped yesterday. Hopefully you all got a chance to download and listen to that. If you haven't yet, it's in the feed where you'll find all these shows. So check that out. I thought it was a lot of fun. So uh, kudos to Jason on, on the first episode and and looking forward to to the rest of the series coming out. We also still have the listener survey open. We've gotten a ton of great responses, but would love to get yours if you haven't given us that response yet. Tinyurl.com slash DBR podcast survey. All kinds of questions in there about how you listen to the show, what you think about us. Um, what other shows you listen to, all kinds of things like that that, that, are, that are really interesting and insightful and hopefully will help us make this show even better um, to, to you know, better serve the listeners who are out there and are, and are, are loyal to us. So, so we love all of that, um, but we'll leave it there for Jason Evans and for Donald Wine. I'm Sam Klein. This has been episode 303 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. Enjoy the final four. We will talk to you this week and we'll be bringing you Paulo Bancaro this week. But until then, Duke Band, take us home. I got my Duke cup, uh, my, you know, oh, that's good. <clears throat> that works. That's what I'm drinking. My wa- always drink my water. Tied it my together. Yeah. We're all tied together. We're good. I have the, uh, I have my, uh, I got a cup from the final four or from, no, a cup from the NCAA tournament that I like to eat snacks out of. It's like, I think I have Jason, the exact cup Jason has somewhere yeah. deep in a, in a, in a it, it, drawer in my parents' house. It once upon a time had a cup full of ice and a little bit of Coca-Cola in it. And it has since mm-hmm. been, refilled many times with other drinks. Or, or wait, wait, wait. I got to know, do you guys at, at Duke games, when you go to them, do you ever just walk through the stands after they, they're empty and pick up the extra cups to, as collectors? No, because people are filthy. <laughs> uh, I haven't done it at Duke games, but I used to, when I, um, when I was in my early 20s, I did that at Colorado Rockies games frequently, and I amassed uh, a pretty awesome collection of Rockies souvenir cups.
So I would do it for, I would do it. I did it at the women's world cup. And the reason why I did it there is because at the men's world cup, because the cups that they do at the world cup have a black market that like cups from like 94 world cup or 2000. Oh, they're, they're collector's items. Yeah. No, they're not collector's items. It's a black market. Like I can take a cup that cost me like four bucks for the Coke and sell it for like $400. So because the people who don't get to go to the world cup, all they want, well, they want the cup. cup is yeah. the most collectible thing from the, from the world cup. So yeah, I have a bunch of those that I'll, that I'll share or sell at some my, point. My Rockies cup collection is, is long gone. Pe- um, pe- people may be disgusting, but every time I go to a Duke game, I come home with four or five new cups. It's well, just, and then you I put them in the dishwasher. Right? Yeah, of course. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, pre-pandemic, I thought people were filthy anyway. So oh, I let's, did, you know. Let's be clear. Yes, I don't drink out of them until I have washed them. (laughs) (laughs) That that would be heinous. You'd be hand sanitizing the whole cups. Like you know, I can't can't have that. Can't have that in my drink. So.